Thank you. Amazing song, amazing psalm. I've said before, what I love about that psalm is the shepherd gets all his sheep home. And that's where we'll be one day. If you have your Bibles with you, I'd want to turn to um, John, John chapter 14. Whether you use your iPads or your phones or whether you just use the screen, it's fine. But we're reading from John chapter 14 this morning. There you are. How are you doing? Good to see you. Welcome. So if you've got your Bibles with you, it's John chapter 14, and we pick up from verse 15, where Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. Jesus would tell us this morning, if you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. And why do we know him? Because he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And before long, the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me. Here's a great verse, isn't it? Because I live, you also will live. On that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. So, listen, don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. You heard me say I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not speak with you much longer. For the prince of this world is coming. I tell you, he's got no hold on me. 
But the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come, now, let us leave. Amen, and may God add his richest blessing to this, the reading of his word, and may he give us insight as we come and try and understand what he would lay before us this morning. Let's pray together. Great song. Hopefully the PowerPoint's going to work. I'm not very sure. It's probably the first time I've tried it. So if I put my hand up like that, then... Well, I've got the clicker here, but I don't know if the clicker's working. Will we try it? Caitlin? No, I'll just put my hand up if you put the first one up. Is that right? If you see me doing that, I'm not wanting to go anywhere. It's just so we can get the words up. Okay, let's go. Let's try to put the first one up. <laughs> That's fine. Good to be with you this morning. It's good to come and share uh, God's word with you. I want to look at the Spirit of God this morning and tie it in with three different things. And then I want to finish up, if I can, with the importance of prayer. Because part of the Spirit's job or part of the Spirit's function is to lead us into prayer and to teach us what to say. So that's where we're going this morning. Anyway, God's great gift to the world is the Lord Jesus we give God thanks for his grace and for his mercy and for so many other things. But God's great gift to us is the eternal Son of God nailed to a cruel cross so that you and I can gather here this morning forgiven because Christ became our sin bearer. And the Lord Jesus, next one, sorry, the Lord Jesus' great gift to the church is the Holy Spirit. When Jesus came to this earth, we know he laid aside his majesty and his glory. He did not exercise his divine rights, yet from his very birth, the Holy Spirit was with him. And when he commenced his ministry following his baptism, we know that the Holy Spirit came down like a dove and remained on him. And then three years later, he says to the people, have the Holy Spirit. And after his resurrection, are you watching me? <laughs> After his resurrection, Jesus said to his disciples, As my Father has sent me, even so I send you. Receive the Holy Spirit. Now the truth is, in many Christian circles, the Holy Spirit is either neglected, forgotten, or misunderstood. And you can think, why do they think that? Because there are over 250 references in the New Testament to the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, the Comforter, the Advocator, or the Counselor, or the Helper, whatever you want to call him. And as Christian people, the Holy Spirit deserves his rightful place in our lives. The Holy Spirit is an essential part of the Trinity. God has revealed himself in three persons, and we know that. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And as if you need reminded, the Son came to glorify the Father, and the Holy Spirit comes to glorify the Son. 
So the Holy Spirit is a person who is equal with both the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit. One of the other words we use for this is paraclete, which means, I've been doing this all the time, (laughs) one called to your side to help. Isn't that amazing? His job is there to help us. Another word is the word comforter, referring to the Holy Spirit. Not does it mean someone who soothes us, but it's more got the thing to do. He comes and he strengthens us. If you look at the word comfort, the word fort is a stronghold. So I know we use comfort to clap them on the back, but comfort means someone who comes and strengthens. So not only does the Spirit come alongside you to help you, but he strengthens us. And lastly, advocate or counsellor, one who pleads on our behalf. Do you know the Holy Spirit pleads on your behalf before the Father? What a privilege it is to know that we have an advocate, not any old advocate or QC, but one who is from God. And so often we are guilty, and I don't mean this in a bad sense, so often we're guilty of of seeking human help and advice. And that is good. But sometimes we bypass the Spirit. Sometimes we bypass talking to God first. Or I'll go and see the pastor, I'll go and see so-and-so, great as they may be. But our first port of call should always be Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Because you and I are made strong by the Spirit's indwelling presence. John 14 takes us to what's known as the Last Supper. I always think about the Last Supper, but see, after the Last Supper comes the First Communion. Jesus goes and leaves them. So every time they met around the table, they start off the communion, as you and I know it. But here, the Last Supper in that upper room, where Jesus is sat with his disciples, is eating and sharing the Passover. They're together. You notice that? Together. We'll come back to that later. And Jesus knew exactly what lay ahead of the disciples before that day was finished. Jesus knew what was awaiting him, but he never ran away. He knew that Judas was about to betray him. He knew the arrest was imminent and he would be condemned on false charges. He knew he was going to be flogged within an inch of his life. He knew he would soon be nailed to a cross and placed in a borrowed tomb. He knew that disciples who had been with him for three years would struggle and be unable to handle it. Peter, his boldest follower, was going to deny him three times. Not because he didn't love Jesus, but because he feared for his life. Thomas would doubt him, and all of them would run away. So when Jesus is sitting, having the Last Supper with them, he knew exactly what was going to happen. And yet he still loved them. That don't miss you. When you and I get it wrong because we know him and love, he loves us still. And so he loves them. He knew they would find it hard going. So seeing that upper room, 
He's trying to prepare his disciples for all that. And he wants to reassure them as he reassures us today that even in the darkest times of their lives, God will still be there for them as he is for you and I. I will send the counsellor. Um, can I just remind you of this? Bethlehem speaks about God with us. Calvary speaks about God for us. And Pentecost speaks about God in us. And you've probably heard these phrases before. If you've been about the church as long as I have, you've probably heard these three things. But they're good things, isn't they? You know, it's three important and three essential things in the life of the Christian church. So this, this morning, I just want to take it a wee stage further. Okay, we've got the Spirit is with us, the Spirit is for you, and the Spirit is in you. And we can get all these three things in this one or two verses. So that's what we want to look at with you this morning. Okay, we're reminded firstly, the Spirit is for you. God is for you. Jesus is for you. In a world where it's sometimes hard to know who you can trust, you can always trust God because he is on your side. Paul wrote, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. No matter what you do. Nothing. So does that not show you that God is for you? Jesus promises his disciples he will send another advocate or counselor. And he says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another. Depending on your version. Whether it's a counselor or a comforter or a helper or, or an advocate. He's sending someone. He just doesn't go back to be with his Father and leaves us alone. And the word advocate, we'll, we'll go with that one just now, it's a legal term, meaning one who comes to your defense. But it has a broader meaning as well. One who comes alongside to encourage and who comforts. I've been through that in the descriptions earlier. If you're a Christian this morning, and I hope you are, the person of the Holy Spirit has been placed in your life to enable you. Ooh. He's there to enable us. He's enabled you to do all that God has saved you from. He's enabled you to do all that God wants you to do for him. You're going to speak, I'll enable you. You're going to sing, well, apart from me, I don't do the singing. So he's not enabled me for that, but other things. That is what he's enabling us to do. Not just there to make you feel better when you're down. The Holy Spirit isn't just always there to make you feel better, as I said. He's not just there to put a smile on your face when, when you're grumpy. He's there to enable you to do what God has called you to do. So basically the Spirit has been placed to give you and I spiritual victory. So when you're feeling tempted and you're feeling you're going to do something you know you shouldn't do, cry out to him for his help. That's what he's there for. Isn't it better to ask the Spirit for help so you don't sin than no ask for his help and sin and then ask God for forgiveness? 
And here's this advocate, this counsellor who draws alongside you. And you've probably been in the Christian faith as long ago. Not as some of you, but many of you have been in the Christian faith. And sometimes you feel down. Sometimes we feel like just, what's it all about? Sometimes we feel, can we carry on? And yet here's this person who God sends to come alongside us. And he says, you can do it. Keep going. Finish the race well. Don't give up. Remember that God is with you. God is with us. Tremendous thing. He's for us. Many years later, John wrote in um, his first epistle, My dear children, I write to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have one who speaks, and that's the advocate, to the Father in our defense. So maybe you've done something wrong, and Jesus is going to say, I'm going to have him. As if the Spirit comes along and says, oh, wait a minute, he's one of yours. He speaks on our behalf. God is for you. Jesus is for you. The Spirit is for you. How good is that? We're also reminded the Spirit is with you. Again, John 14, verse 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you not just another comforter to be with you, to be with you forever. How long is forever? Forever. If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit resides in you forever. And he's no intention of leaving. Jesus did not leave us alone. God called him another comforter. After all, was Jesus not a comforter? Does he not bring comfort to you? He certainly brought comfort and strengthened his disciples while he was with them. And Jesus describes this paraclete as being with you forever. In John chapter 17, sorry, in John verse 17, he says, but you know him, look, for he lives, where? With you. With you. So not only is he for you, but he's with you. That's something to grasp. He is with you. In the Old Testament times, the Spirit came on some believers for special enablement. But after Pentecost, the great privilege of every believer is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. In verse 18, he assures his followers that although he will not be with them physically, he will still be with them. He says, I'm not leaving you. I'm not leaving you. I'm sending an advocate. I'll come back later on for you. But I'm, 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 I'm not leaving you. And here Jesus gives them a veiled sign of his impending death. But even though he may have to leave their side, he will send another, someone who they already knew, for indeed it is the very Spirit of Christ himself. And Jesus is assuring his followers, as he assures us today, that whatever may occur in our experiences and in this world, you and I are never on our own. They will not be left desolate. He will continue to be there with them, supporting and protect them. And that is the greatest promise of Jesus. Lo, I am with you always. 
Always. Even until the end. Jesus is with you, so don't you give up. You stick with him. Isaiah 41 verse 10 says this. Do not fear. Because I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and uphold you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So Jesus is assuring his followers that whatever may occur in their experience in the world, they will never, ever, ever, ever be on their own. He still is the good shepherd. He still is the shepherd who leads. So whatever you face in life, you do not face it alone. When your heart is broken, God grieves with you. When you celebrate, God celebrates. I was going to say does somersaults, but I better not. God celebrates with you. When you feel lonely, God is with you. When you feel depressed, God is with you. When you get angry, God is still with you. When you're tired, God is with you. God is with you in the shadow. God is with you when you go to the supermarket. God is with you when you go to the shops. God is with you when you go wherever, whether to school. God is with you if you've got to get to the hospital. God is with you if you're on the surgery table. And God is with you when you say cheerio to dear friends. You and I need to grasp that, that you and I are never on our own. God is with you. Jesus is with you. The Spirit is with you. How good is that? Pentecost not only marks the coming of the Holy Spirit, but it's also seen as the finale of Jesus' work on earth. Pentecost was the fulfillment of Jesus' ministry on earth. It was when the Holy Spirit began his ministry on earth and in the believers. So Jesus, next, but Jesus would remind us that the Spirit is where? In you. He's in you. In this chapter, he tells the disciples that he's returning home to be with his Father. But they were not to worry because he's sending another comforter. And that is exactly what happened. And when Jesus went home, the Holy Spirit, he left and came to live in us. Verse the next one. But you know him, for he lives not only with you, but will be in you. See that? So not only is he for us, not only is he with us, but Jesus says, he's in you. In effect, Jesus tells us, I'm not only, next, I'm not only with you, but I shall be in you. Do you not find that amazing? That the almighty God, our creator, our redeemer, and the spirit fits into every one of us. It blows our minds. So not only does he live for us and with us, But he lives in us. 
And the Spirit lives in us because Jesus was able to say one day, it is finished. That was his cry from the cross. That was the end of his earthly mission. And he went back to heaven, not to leave us on our own, because as we said earlier, he would not leave us as orphans. But he went back to heaven so that the Comforter might come and work in us. You're not on your own. You're not orphans. You and I are not left to battle on our own. And the great truth of God's word is that regards the Holy Spirit, he comes to indwell us. We receive life. We have his continual abiding presence. We have constant access to the Lord. So when Jesus went back to heaven, he actually came back into their hearts and lives by the Holy Spirit. And we need to realize that. And basically the Holy Spirit carries on where Jesus left off. God is in us. Jesus is in us. The Spirit is in us. How good is that? Verse 17 tells us that he's known as the Spirit of Truth. But he is also the teacher. So Jesus emphasizes the teaching and prompting role of the Spirit. So not only does the Spirit have our backs because he's for us. Not only does he root for us because he's with us. Not only does he live in us, but he wants to teach us. Verse 26. Excuse me. But the counselor of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. It would appear then that another function of the Holy Spirit is that of teacher. And it's to bring the word of God into every situation in our lives. As you and I study the Bible, you and I can trust the Spirit to implant the truth in our hearts and in our minds and to convince us of God's will. When you come to God's word, pray that he may enlighten you. Um, Andrew McLaren said this, he who has the Holy Spirit in his heart and the scripture in his hands has all he needs. Is that good? As a brainy man. Great man of God. He who has the Holy Spirit in his heart and the scripture in his hands has all he needs. But not only does Jesus emphasize the teaching role. Next, it says in the same verse 26, he will remind you of everything I have said to you. So he stimulates our memory. He helps us to remember the words of Jesus. And so the Spirit works in their minds, reminding them of his teaching. You know, sometimes maybe you're looking for an answer and God obviously gives you a verse at that moment in time. That's what it is. It's the Holy Spirit prompting. It's the Holy Spirit giving you these things to remember his teaching. So when we speak, uh, seek the Spirit, he brings to our memory many things, not only the Word of God, but maybe he brings to our minds things that we need to put right. Maybe, maybe the things we've done years ago or last week, and maybe we've been forgiven for them, but maybe we need to put it right with others. 
There may be times as we seek the Spirit, he, he may reveal things to us that we need to make restitution as far as we are able. And I think sometimes the counsellor's job is to bring to our memory all these broken promises. And yet God's word tells us, let your yea be yea, and your yea be yea, eh no. So not only does he take our minds back, but look at John 16 verse 13 says this, but when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is to come. So not only does the spirit teach you, not only does he remind you, but he'll tell you what is to come. And one of these things he talks about is heaven. Heaven's still to come. So the Holy Spirit reveals the future at times for us. The Spirit certainly makes heaven real to us. I've read about the many mansions. And if the Spirit can make heaven real, then he can also make hell real. And we live in a world where they don't want to know these things. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, it's the Holy Spirit that makes Jesus real to us. That's what it says there. La, 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 la. No one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And I trust that all of us have a real sense of the reality of Jesus and the reality of Calvary so that we will realize more fully what it cost Jesus to redeem us. He is the Spirit of truth, He is the Spirit of reality. He shows us the past and the future and ultimately he shows us what we really are today. And the spirit of truth, the spirit of reality opens our eyes and minds and hearts to see the truth. And lastly, let's look at this whole idea of prayer if I can. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, I'm not going through all that because we've had many sermons on this. Acts 1.8 reminds us that when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, he brings us power. Power to see. It enables us to understand the mind of God and the truth of God. And the Spirit shows us the difference between truth and reality and darkness to light. That's what the Spirit does. He turned our darkness into light when he showed us Jesus. So the Holy Spirit not only brings us power to see, but also has his power to witness Psalm 107 verse 2 says this, Let the redeemed of the Lord say. I love splitting these verses. So the other one I, I, I do is, I heard the voice of Jesus say, and I just finish it there and I say, what did he tell you? And the same with this one. Let the redeemed of the Lord say. So you might, and I think it's more and more difficult, and I'm, I'm, I understand this, it's more and more difficult now to witness out there and that's in the street. I, I, I know all that, and yet we're asked to do so. Maybe we have to say something for our Saviour. Power to speak about God, power to speak for God, and power to speak about the things of God. But also power to speak with God. But look at that. Not only a witnessing people, but also, next one, but also a praying people. Power to speak about God, power to speak for God, and power to speak of the things of God. When we're speaking to people about God, 
I'm assuming you have the power to speak to God. And with God. So not only, the early church in particular, were not only a witnessing church, but they were a praying church. For the church in the New Testament is not only witnessing, it's a praying. And that's how we should be. Let us say, not just a man about God, but talk to God himself. Next. These are verses that are there. Um, I want to suggest to you that you and I need the helper. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. That's what it says here. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us and groans that words cannot express. Do you know, he prays for us and he prays in us. If you find it hard to pray, and sometimes you will, and sometimes we do, we do not feel like praying, then you need to ask the Lord to fill you again with the Spirit. And as you wait on him, the, the prayers will come. They say the prayer meeting is the most important meeting of the week. You may agree or otherwise. I've also heard it said, on Sunday the preacher talks to the people about God, but in the prayer meeting we gather to talk to God about the people. And we intercede for people. I know we pray at home, and quite rightly so, but there is, I believe, a special blessing in getting together to pray. Someone has suggested, and you can go and check this out, it's not my words, someone has suggested that on the day of Pentecost, if all the people had been in different rooms, revival would never have happened. But it was only because they were. I don't know if that's true. But it's worth thinking about. But they were all together in one room. Many churches in the Baptist circle, anyway, many, maybe they still do it. Many years ago, there was a prayer triplet card. Do you remember them? There were three folk praying all the time for something. Well, here's the first one. Put it up. The first people on the triple prayer triple card were these people here. Moses went up to the mountaintop to pray and he took two others. He took Aaron and he took his pal, her. Aaron and her. If Aaron and her had not gone up the mountain to pray, it would have been a different story. But Joshua was down fighting a battle. So Aaron went up the mountain with his two pals to pray that God would help them. So these two guys had to be where Moses was because the whole gist was Moses had to keep his hands up in the air. And when they got tired, Aaron and Hur held his hands up. So if Aaron and Hur hadn't been with him, if Aaron had been on a different mountain, and if Hur had been on a different mountain, they would never have been together. And the thought is there that if they were not together praying, the victory would never have come. So the victory did not depend on the number of soldiers in the valley. It depended on the three on the hilltop. The victory may not depend upon a full church on a Sunday, but depend 
on those praying for it. It may very well be that this is the place for victory, not by might nor by power, but my spirit says the Lord. Oh, look at the time. The Holy Spirit resides in us so that we can rest in him during our struggles, whether physical, emotional, or spiritual. Since he is in us, you and I can know the calm and the peace that that these verses speak about. And as we rest in him, he gives us rest eternally safe in his love. So I say to you this morning, hold fast, because you are being held fast. And let us never forget all that God does. He does well. So when he holds you, he holds you. God is for you. God is with you. God is in you. May we apply that to our lives for his name's sake. Let's say close our service by singing Strength Will Rise and again sing behind the masks. <laughs>